Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Buddy, happy Thursday to you. Happy September, second week of September. Covered that already last week. And here's the thing. Great show coming up. Huge show. This is the essence of what this show is all about, this episode today. Humongous news. Huge stuff to get to. It's the fall. I know most people are super psyched about the start of NFL season today, uh, Thursday, September 9th. But here, it's like cool NFL. I know it sort of envelops the country between now and February, but this is a college basketball show, right? And there's a lot to get to. So buckle in. Here we go. Hope you had a great Labor Day, whether you went into labor or not, because I think that's the point of the holiday, right? You've recovered. Uh, you've had a better holiday weekend than Gonzaga coach Mark Few, <laughs> which we'll get into. I wasn't even planning on getting to that, and I remembered it as we were logging on. Anyway, what's this show that we're talking about? It's the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Podcast Network. Jonas Nordman here, uh, the Believe Podcast Network, your number one network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Yeah, here's what I believe. There's always been something up about Mark Few, right? Don't trust him. Don't trust his pointy teeth. Guy got COVID last year right at the start and was coughing all over everybody in that Thanksgiving game against KU. How does he get top recruits to Spokane, right? Right? That's not all clean. Guys like best friends with Scott Drew, apparently. That's a alarm for me. Best friends with Scott Drew. Ugh. Talk about the company you keep. But uh, Mark Few did get a DUI or he was arrested or he was suspicion of DUI. You can look it up. But so, yeah, bad guy with that DUI, Mark Few. Maybe that'll hurt his recruiting. Hopefully. Apparently that kid Chet Holmgren, he's got coming in this year, is going to be the real deal. But we'll see. Um, hope, Like I said, hope you had a great Labor Day. We are officially into now really the fall sports season, which means we are in for a great couple of months here. Like I said, college football is back last weekend. Congratulations to Kansas football for getting their first win of the season, beating the mighty Coyotes of South Dakota. But Lance Leopold got that first win, did better than other first-year coaches in that he actually beat the FCS opponent. 1-0 record. Better than a lot of teams out there, as you probably saw the graphic. They're, they have a better record than you know Florida State. They have a better record than Clemson right now. And immediately, Kansas is now a 22-point underdog to Coastal Carolina, who have built themselves into a very respectable program on the college football side. So college football's back. NFL starts tonight. I know a lot of people in the Jayhawk region of the world are very excited for that Mahomes guy with his wacky hair. So 
I'm sure there'll be a lot of annoyed people over the course of the season as the Chiefs go like 14 and two. Actually, they play an extra game this year, don't they? Like 15 and two, and still probably make it to like the AFC Championship game. So calm down. I don't want to see that on my timeline every single Sunday. And then, you know, baseball push, NBAs. Actually, the preseason's only about three weeks away, if you can believe that. So this is it's a crazy time. And I'm sort of just blabbing on right now. So let, let's get to the meat of what's going on. This is a huge show. Quickly, a congratulations for future Jayhawk. Secondly, it's going to happen. The Big 12 is going to once again become 12. Accept it. Doesn't mean that Kansas can't go to the Big 10 eventually, but it does look like the four newcomers are incoming, which could mean a 14-team conference could be on the horizon here pretty soon. And then I'm starting it today. I'm doing it. Big Big 12 previews are here. And I'm starting off with a juicy one. I'm going right for the throat. I'm going right to K-State. They're probably happy. The Big 12 is surviving for the time being. So, yeah, I'm going to go Big 12 previews today. We're talking conference expansion as it looks like it's going to happen. This is a huge day. And I started off with a congratulations for some dick. Excuse me, for Grady Dick. Future Jayhawk, a week or two ago, I didn't bring this up then. That name's going to really be something over the years, isn't it? He's going to be a sensation in college basketball because I also think he's going to be a pretty good player. But he was a part of the gold medal winning U18s, 18 and under, Team USA, three by three basketball World Cup. That's right. They have a World Cup now for and they had it in the Olympics, which was really crazy when I saw on TV. I had no idea they put that in the Olympics, but three on three basketball. They play like a half court. I think it's only a four-man team. And so congratulations to Grady Dick out of Wichita. Made the U18 USA basketball team. They steamrolled their way to the gold. Uh, USA women or USA girls also won gold. So congratulations to them as well. But Team USA on the ladies' side, they did lose one game to Russia in pool play. So, But yeah, uh, the men's team. Congratulations to Grady Dick and his teammates, Eric Lavelle Daly Jr. Or sorry, Eric Daly Jr., that's his middle name. Kyle Filipowski, as well as Keontae George. Four-man team, three versus three. Pretty cool. Guy's got that winning mentality already, and he hasn't even joined the Jayhawks. So I wanted to bring that up, look it up. I saw a couple highlights, actually, as the tournament was going on. Grady Dick can throw it down. So, yeah. How cool is that? Moving on to things that are way less cool. Conference expansion. So here we go. It is widely reported that the four schools, BYU, Houston, UCF, University of Central Florida, as well as Cincinnati, are going to alert their conference. Well, BYU doesn't have to do that because they're an independent. But the other three need to let the American Athletic Conference know, hey, We'd like to, and we're planning on joining the Big 12 here pretty soon. So that supposedly is going to come down either today or tomorrow. Uh, They will let them know that. And then the Big 12 schools currently existing, it's supposed to be a formality that they all vote to let those four in. 
It's happening. It is here. So get used to it. So with that, I wanted to pull up the ESPN article that came out yesterday about sort of the frequently asked questions about the timeline, what these teams would add, what it sort of means for Texas and Oklahoma. They're still going to leave. But for the time being, yeah, it, it looks like there could be a 14-team conference here pretty soon. Okay, realistic timeline. The AAC bylaws, American Athletic Conference bylaws, require schools to give a 27-month notice before they leave and pay a $10 million buyout fee. So with that being said, might be still a little bit before those schools really join the Big 12. Not BYU. BYU could join theoretically for next season, you know, by summer 2022. Independent school. They got no ties. If they really want to join a conference that badly, they're ready and raring to go. So uh, they have to let the schools know, or it's expected they'll let the conference know this week. And then the Big 12 presidents and chancellors will be able to officially vote them in. What I don't know is if Texas and Oklahoma have a say in that. Just be major Grady dicks about it and also block that after ruining the conference. I would assume, well, I would assume they don't have a say in it. And then I would also think that they would just vote in those other schools regardless. So if they wanted to pay more, then I think that those schools could join the Big 12 sooner. But, I mean, $10 million. I know a lot of these schools sort of print money. Like, they sort of masquerade, as they say in the Phantom of the Opera, masquerade as institutions of higher learning. But really, a lot of these places are just money printing places or offices. I said it. It's a flaw in our education system. Someone had to say it. You're telling me a school like Houston or University of Central Florida Those aren't essentially mints for certain people. UCF has the highest undergrad amount, and it's a freaking commuter school. Same with Houston. Houston has risen to prominence because of Tillman Fertitta, who has essentially poured money into that school. And Tillman, if he's... The Fertittas, I always forget, like, There's a brother that owns the Houston Rockets, so they're obviously very involved in the city of Houston. There's also Fertitta brothers who started the UFC along with Dana White before it got bought out. So, like, this is the kind of family that's behind the University of Houston. But, you know, they're in it for the academic integrity, some really polished athlete, whatever. People know how I feel about expansion. So... Expect the vote. Expect those schools to declare their intent either while I'm on air recording or even by the end of, the, of today or even tomorrow. They'll be accepted and it's on. Now, what do these schools bring? I have ragged on it. I do not like it. I want Kansas to move to the Big Ten. That's not to say that these schools don't add a little something, something to the Big 12. So here it is. And this is from the ESPN Plus article. Everyone seems to agree that BYU is the perfect fit. And when I think about it, and as this article pointed out, the religious thing, not really a huge deal when you consider 
that Baylor and TCU are already in this conference. I don't know why. That sort of just flew over my head. I know TCU maybe doesn't stick to being such religious zealots, maybe as BYU. Uh, I think Baylor does. Baylor, the, those, the Baptists there in Waco um, are very committed. And so in the grand scheme of things, that's fine. BYU schedules very aggressively. This is a school that wants to be a big-time program, certainly in football. They've had their moments in basketball. And as I mentioned last week, I said this first, geographically, this is fine. You got yourself a mountain region. The Big 12 had Colorado for the longest time. This fits in right there. Can't wait for those winter nights of basketball traveling to Salt Lake City. <laughs> Could you imagine after this is accepted? Big 12 is going to be careful with their scheduling. Is somewhat who is going to get stuck with perhaps one week of playing at BYU and at Central Florida in Orlando in the same week, like a Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday type of situation. I'm going to assume with the new alignment that BYU is going to be the farthest from Orlando, unless like maybe one of the Texas schools, like Texas Tech, because Western Texas goes on for forever. That's going to be the worst for Orlando. Man, what a great expansion. Cincinnati, this is an established program that used to be in the Big East, has gone to Orange Bowls, so they and KU have a lot in common. They have an excellent head coach in Luke Fickle, who I still believe is going to get poached at some point here pretty soon. Really good coach, though. Put a ton of money into their stadium, put a ton of money into their coach. And this is another school that actually has had a pretty good amount of basketball success. Because, again, this is my college basketball show. Even though expansion is centered on college football, these are the things that matter to me and this program. Believe in Jayhawks basketball. But look who just made the Final Four last year. It was UCLA led by the former head coach of Cincinnati basketball. So, they've had success there. They play a knockdown, drag-out style of basketball. It's not going to be enjoyable. But what it does do is provide actually a bit of a geographic and old Big East rival for West Virginia, which is kind of nice. Houston, I, I already mentioned it, uh, former Southwest Conference members. So, they have some relationships already with some of the teams in the Big 12 going back years. This is a school that has put a ton of money, like I said, into both programs. Two relatively well-known head coaches, Dana Holgerson, former head coach of football at West Virginia, now the, the head coach for football, and Kelvin Sampson, former head coach at Oklahoma, former head coach at Indiana. He's now the man at Houston for basketball, and they were a really good team last year, number two seed. So. That's that. And then UCF, what it brings is a ton of eyeballs. Central Florida, big media market, a ton of alumni. And what they say in this article is how this is a school that's actually been on TV a really good amount. Granted, they've 
being in the AAC and being a team that's trying to toot their own horn as a national viable contender. They're on TV whenever possible, but that's not to take anything away from them. They were on TV. They had eyeballs. People were watching them. People are familiar with them in the football landscape. Basketball, I'm going to assume this is going to be similar to when TCU joined. Remember when TCU joined the Big 12 and is like, well, they've had this really good mid-major football program. Their basketball program sucks, but they're in Texas. They're joining the Big 12. Maybe they'll start to get Big 12 recruits. Things will change. They've had decent teams while being in the Big 12. They suck again. But I think that's sort of the, the thinking here for UCF basketball. Our football team has had a pretty good go of it in a mid-major setting. <laughs> it's kind of mean to call the AAC mid-major, but kind of is, right? Their basketball stinks. But maybe you get that Big 12 recruiting edge. They're in Florida. And we'll see. That's the other thing, uh, especially about Cincinnati joining. Ohio is a recruiting hotbed for football. Florida is, of course, a recruiting hotbed for everything. So in that sense, it does help out a lot of these Big 12 schools. Another fertile recruiting ground, uh, two separate fertile recruiting grounds for the different sports. And for Kansas football, again, not that I really care that much, but if Lance Leopold is going to stick around for a while and he's going to build this sort of ground and pound style of football, Ohio is a pretty good place to go get good offensive linemen, good, tough football players to fit that kind of style. So there you go. That's expansion. It is happening. It will be those four schools more than likely. And um, <laughs> over the weekend, I saw a great picture and a great meme. I think it was from Reddit. BYU played is one of the Arizona schools. I think it was U of A, which talk about a contrasting, two contrasting fan bases. Arizona, you know, the Harvard of the desert, and then BYU. It was like there was a beer stand next to a, a soda fountain machine. And the beer stand was wide open. And there were a ton of just BYU fans with a line wrapping around the stadium, essentially, for the soda machine. So, hey, if you like beer, which reportedly many of the people who listen to the show do, maybe you want BYU to come around because the lines won't be that bad. <laughs> but then if you want to travel to BYU, keep that in mind. But ski season, but ski season. Mm, Park City, here we come. Anyways, enough of that. Let's talk about what will actually happen on the court. And yes, it's back. Oh my God, we have done it. Made it through the not long and cold winter of the college basketball offseason because college basketball offseason is during the summer. So the scorched earth, we've made it through the scorched earth of college basketball. So let's get to, perhaps for the last year as we know it, Big 12 previews. And I start not necessarily at the bottom because Iowa State finished dead last. But I'm going to start with 
Kansas State. The Wildcats finishing off a robust season at 9 and 20 overall, 4 and 14 in conference. They scored 61.1 points per game. That is 385th in the country, dead last in the conference last year. 32.9 rebounds per game. That was 300 second, 322nd in the nation and 13 assists per game, tied for 207th in the country. They allowed 70.2 points per game. There's your recipe for disaster. They didn't really score that much, and they allowed way too many points to be scored defensively. Now, let me start this as a caveat. Let me start this as sort of, you know, the overarching theme of the upcoming season. First college basketball season we're about to experience where we have the quote-unquote free agency, right? So we are going to learn a lot about how much last year truly mattered numerically. Weird scheduling, players in and out, right? Canceled games. You never really knew when your next game would be. Lack of a home court advantage. Plus, how much is the transfer rule going to really change things? So we may get to a point in the middle of this year where we look back on these previews or we look back on Kansas from last season and say, oh, that was just a waste of time. Like last year was not a precursor at all for what's to come this season. But it's all we got. So by going 9-20 and 20 and 4-14 and 14 in conference, it was the worst season Kansas State has experienced so far under Bruce Weber, who's still there. <laughs> Nine wins. It was the lowest in the season since 2000, if you can believe that, for K-State. And they've had some down years. Remember, you may have forgotten this. I just want to refresh your memory a little bit. K-State did lose to Fort Hayes State. And not only did they lose to the lower-level team, they got annihilated 81-68 to in a game that could not even go on Fort Hayes State's actual ledger, but counted as a loss for the Wildcats. Now, K-State comes into this year on a bit of a roll. They did win four of their last six games. Actually, there are only four conference wins. But three of those four wins were against TCU twice and Iowa State. AKA, if you don't remember, the two teams that bookended or surrounded K State at the bottom of the standings. So they were certainly not the worst team in conference last year. It was a K State sandwich. One bread was in Ames, one piece of bread was in Dallas, Fort Worth. So who did they lose? Not too much. And that's the interesting thing about this Big 12 preview. K-State both brings back a lot, and they've added some interesting pieces, but you be the judge. Who left? Dashwan Gordon, a guard, averaged 9.1 points per game, plus he led the team in rebounds as a guard, mind you. He also led the team in steals. They also lose forward Antonio Gordon, and is almost six points per game, and they also lose Rudy Williams, a guard who averaged just about five points per game. 
now it like I said, it's the returnees that get interesting for the Wildcats. They return four or five starters, and they return both double-digit scores from last season. So that's experience, right? Those are essentially their best players. Who's back? Nigel's pack. <laughs> that, that would be sophomore guard Nigel Pack, who averaged 12.7 points per game and just about averaged four assists per game. Led the team in both, as you probably figured. Mike McGurl comes back for his super senior year using his extra year of eligibility. 11.8 points per game. Probably recognize that name. Now, Davian Bradford and Sultan Miguel, two sophomores who are coming back. One's a center. That would be Bradford. Miguel's a guard. Both averaged about the same amount of points per game. 7.7 for Bradford. 7.2 for Miguel. And then Bradford as a center had 4.3 rebounds per game. These are two guys coming back as sophomores who both started over 20 games as freshmen. So again, they took their lumps last year. It was a young team. They essentially started three freshmen and they got pounded for it. Now, where does that experience translate for the upcoming season? Then K-State does also return five other players who are inconsequential for what we're talking about right now. But that's, again, that is nine returnees, right? So they have players who have been through the wars, know the system, have experience, took their lumps, and now they mix in these gentlemen. Two recruits, three key transfers I want to highlight for Kansas State, starting with a transfer from Mizzou, Barf, Mark Smith. Excuse me. Getting to call my computer here. Technology. Amazing, except when you need it. So Mark Smith, a transfer from Mizzou, a fifth-year senior. And this is a guy, and I actually kind of like the moves that Bruce Weber made. I know, blasphemy somewhat, but... He at least recognized the deficiencies in his team, and he tried to address it. How it happens, we'll see. So Mark Smith, this is a guy who's going to be looked to to provide some scoring and some outside shooting because K-State was atrocious from the arc last year. He started over 60 games for Mizzou, and the guy averaged 10 points per game and 37.5% from three-point range. So there's something to work with here, and that's a guy playing high-level basketball in the SEC. Marquise Noel, a transfer from Arkansas Little Rock. Only played 15 games last year, but the season prior, in 1920, he was all sunbelt. He scored 17.2 points per game, 4.9, let's call it five assists per game, and two steals. So another guy who knows how to put the biscuit in the basket. And then Ishmael Masood. A transfer from Wake Forest. Hey, I was just in Winston-Salem. How cool. It's only started eight times in his career. But he still averaged over 15 points per game and six rebounds per game each of the last two seasons. So with K-State, here's sort of the final word, right? They bring back experience. They add their much-needed scoring. 
But the true question here about K-State is, is it quality experience? And is it scoring that will translate to a tough Big 12? A guy like Mark Smith, the SEC, tough, high level. I called it high level. But the Big 12 this year is going to be a bear. The Big 12 is a better basketball conference than the SEC. And honestly, the Big 12 is better at basketball than it is at football, especially right now. Chemistry, that could be huge this season, especially with so many teams incorporating new players. Like K-State's bringing in new players, but they still have a lot of guys to sort of absorb that and a lot of guys who are familiar with the K-State way, whether that's a positive thing or not. But they have, the, the recipe is there. But truly, it doesn't matter if the players are below average and if the coach is below average. Nigel Pack, if you're wondering, is the only player above a three-star in recruiting the last couple of years, and he's a four-star. So without really going too in-depth with the other rosters yet, I've sort of do this at the same time as you. I learn about the team. I write it down, and then I talk about it on the show. It still looks like it's going to be a bottom half of the Big 12 type of year for K-State. And I say that mostly because I think the top of the conference and the middle of the conference is still so strong. So I will say, again, bottom third of the standings for Kansas State. And it's almost because I just don't think Bruce Weber, like even if these were the right pieces, I don't think he's got it. Because I think the same script is happening in Manhattan that we saw in Champaign-Urbana. Bruce Weber, when he takes over someone else's team or someone else's roster, who you know who's better than him, he can work with that. Case in point, 2005, Bruce Weber waltzes on in to the Illinois team, a team with Darren Williams, Luther Head, and I can't remember the other one. I think D Brown. Is that right? Shoot. I, I used to love that team in 05. That was undefeated for a, a while. But he waltzed into a pre-made microwavable roster that Bill Self built. Bet you didn't remember that. You probably did. Bill Self goes to Kansas, leaves that roster. Bruce Weber takes him to a national championship game to lose to North Carolina. And then as the years go on, Illinois goes downwards. And now look at them. Irrelevant. Bruce Weber gets fired there. Goes to K-State with a great roster left over by Frank Martin, right? Some really good players left over. Rodney Magruder, a guy who's still in the, in, in the NBA. And slowly yet surely, save for uh, a couple seasons ago, with Dean Wade, K-State has essentially declined. So I think that trend continues. I think Bruce doesn't have much longer unless the K-State doesn't care, which is fine by me. But as he's really having to build his own teams, those teams are turning out to suck. Let me know your thoughts. Maybe this is just the rivalry talk. I don't know. Maybe this can be a solid team. Maybe this Mark Smith edition is going to be huge, and he's going to knock down threes like nobody's business. 
I just don't think it's quality experience. That's what I think. But we'll find out. That's the beauty of basketball, right? doesn't matter what I say. It has to happen on the court. So enjoy your weekend. Stay vigilant. Stay safe. Uh, appreciate you listening. I think this is really interesting stuff. Would love if you passed around the information. Look, I know a lot of listeners are in the breadbasket of the country there in the Midwest. So you probably know a K-State fan or two in your life. If they want to know what's going to happen with their team, would love if you pass this along. Uh, Jonas Nordman here. You know where to find me on the socials. Enjoy your football weekend. I do know that I'm a bit of an outlier in that. I'm excited for the NFL to come back, but like it's not the hugest deal in the world. But uh, I, I know that everyone else is giddy like a schoolgirl right now. So enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy your weekend. It's going to be a lot of pigskin. Don't lose all your money gambling. I know it's sort of normalizing and not too much of a stigma anymore, but please. Anyways, take care, everybody. I bid you adieu, and as always,
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.